the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Harbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to a brand new week on the program. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And what we try to do every weekday at 4 o'clock on AM 630, the word, is to take your phone calls and answer the Bible questions uh, that you have, questions about what we believe as Christians, why we believe it, questions uh, about life, you know, trying to navigate your way through the life that's getting sometimes more and more difficult. Um, we'll do the best we can to answer those questions. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. We also uh, make uh, questions available to you on our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And I remind you every day, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app and use the hands-free feature of your phone. There's just one banner you have to push. says, call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time for our main number, 340-9585. Now, because it's Monday, we've got our regular Monday stuff going. Our Sweet Summer Devotion series continues tonight with Elizabeth Rios, who will be sharing her heart, and you will be blessed. She was laughing at me yesterday. She said, Pastor Ron, it's no coincidence that you were teaching the prodigal uh, son uh, this week, which, which I taught yesterday. It's no coincidence, because I'm speaking tomorrow night, and I'm both brothers in that, that parable. So... Uh, she's got a great story, and boy, has the Lord ever sort of transformed her heart, and she's just, uh, um, she's changed so much, and she's been very, very fruitful in ministry here at the church. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, obviously, we have child care available. You can watch it at calvaryessay.com, ladies, at 7 o'clock. The problem with that is you miss out on the Q&A, and Paula tells me every week that there's as much meat in the Q&A sessions that come up afterwards as there is in the um, testimonies or the, the the teaching that the ladies do. Uh, and we don't live stream that. We, we want that to be private time, and so we don't live stream the Q&A. But it's really, really great. You should be here, and you will be blessed. You can make it a family Bible study time. Our high school and youth, uh, junior high school groups meet at 7 o'clock as well. We also have our men's Bible study Usually it's Pastor Ken teaching that, but tonight, uh, because Pastor Ken's on vacation, it will be Dr. Pastor Peter Paley uh, here at the church. He is the uh, head doctor at Malta Medical and uh, a great Bible teacher. So that's all tonight at 7 o'clock, and we would love to have you participate. Okay, let me get to some questions. Um, Robert says, Pastor Ron, should Christians support Zionism? Um, Robert, yeah, we should. Now, let me explain Zionism. Zionism isn't a thing. It's an idea. 
uh, Zionism is is Israel nationalism. Uh, it's a a proud stance supporting Israel's right to be a nation, but more than that, it's their right to be in that land when Jesus comes back to Jerusalem. He's going to come back. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. One-third, according to Zechariah, the Jews who are alive at the time are going to recognize who he is and that he was the one that they rejected and they're going to repent and great revival will follow. Unfortunately, two-thirds of the Jews living there simply will refuse to receive him as Christ. So, uh, but yeah, Israeli uh, nationalism, Zionism, uh, is just a, a Christian's way of being able to say that we recognize Israel's right to exist. We recognize their right to self-govern. We recognize that these are the people that were set apart by God. It doesn't mean individually they're saved. They are only saved by coming to Christ. But, but Israel, and in particular Jerusalem, is a city that should be in the hearts of every Christian. So yes, Robert, we should support Israel in every way that we can. Now, one of the things that causes people to stumble a little bit when I say that is we don't presume that Israel is a holy people of God. They weren't chosen because they were holy. They're they're unbelievers by and large. They're is a growing Christian presence in and around Jerusalem, in all of Israel, in fact. But the fact that they were chosen by God has nothing to do with their walk with God, their holiness. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. They're wrong as much as they're right. Uh, if you've been to Jerusalem, you, you you know it's called the Bible, the holy city. It's it's anything but the holy city now. So this is an idea instead of a thing. And um, praying for the peace of Israel, praying for the Lord's return to Jerusalem, will be with him, by the way, um, is something that every Christian ought to support. You know, it's hard because the media makes Israel the bad guy. The devil hates Israel and the media does too. You can draw your own conclusion from that connection. But um, it, it, their right to be in their country, their right to have a homeland, uh, the homeland given to them by God, their right to defend themselves, and their right not to have to negotiate land away that was given to them by God, those are all principles, Robert, that we all ought to support. Good question. Thank you very, very much. Um, Marilyn, before I go to Marilyn, I'm told I got a phone call. So let me go to Charles calling from San Antonio on line one. Charles, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing this afternoon? Charles, I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm alive. So uh, <laughs> Laura and I are going to be Laura and I are gonna be at service this evening. So I just want to let you know that. Oh, I have a good. question uh, for you. Uh, we're here with my wife's cousin, and she goes to a church over there off of Bandera Road. And this church, they um, like they put all these offering envelopes out saying they need money for uh, you know your. They tell you you know you have to tithe your ten percent. You have to do an offering, and you have to do offerings for you know whatever. You know, they give them 10 different envelopes every week uh, that you have to do this. If you don't, you're not going to be blessed. And um, and then she was she was telling us that, uh, it, that the, her, their pastor says, you're not allowed to go to different churches because the Lord, think, you know, considered that uh, bar hopping. Um, and they go through a different pastor, like maybe every every six months or so. There's like a different pastor that that shows up, like the pastor that they get used to. He leaves and everything, and then they got to get used to a new pastor and 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 stuff. Uh, I got I'm on my wife's phone calling you, and I got her listening to your radio show on my phone. I'm streaming it live on the app. <laughs> uh, but I was wondering if you can, you know, 
talk to you know set it straight on you know is she good keep going to this church or would it be in her best interest to to find a different church and we're going to be listening right now okay thank thank you charles i appreciate the call um you know these kind of stories always I, i mean literally hurts my heart i'm not speaking figuratively here it hurts my heart. I, I just imagine what Jesus is thinking, Charles, when he's being misrepresented in such a way. But there, there's a couple of really important issues, and I'll get to the, the teaching in a moment. But let me say, first of all, that any church that tries to control you through manipulation or guilt uh, or legalism, uh, they are unhealthy churches, and you need to run from those churches. It's just that simple. This sounds like a pretty classic prosperity model church. And uh, what, what that means is that they're going to ask for a lot of money. They're going to uh, use any control mechanism that they have to try to get people to dig deep and give beyond uh, what their ability to give is. They're going to twist and turn the scriptures. Uh, it's not healthy, Charles, and she ought to go, and she ought to go quickly. Now, um, the, the doctrine is easy to, to disprove. Um, you know, Paul writes to the Corinthian church that we're to give uh, joyfully, we're to give hilariously, the literal translation of the word is, uh, without manipulation, we're to do it without any pressure being put on us. And as you know, Charles, because you've come to our church in the past, uh, we don't ask for money, we don't even take an offering. We let people know that there are offering boxes in the back uh, of the church and in the foyer uh, and they can give as the Lord leads. And we want them to give if God wants them to give. Otherwise, that's all we say about it. And we probably spend a total of 30 seconds on our offering announcement. When churches are continually asking for money, it is a bad, bad church model. I want to be clear. Churches need money. We need a lot of money. Now, the difference is we're asked by the Lord to trust him for the money and not to make people feel like they have to give, not to manipulate them as though it's our trust is in them. Uh, most churches don't do that. And, and I find it awkward that most often it's the prosperity churches, the faith churches, that demonstrate the, the least faith by putting pressure on the people to give. Now, having said all that, she needs to go. It's a terrible, healthy, uh, unhealthy, uh, unbalanced church. Having said that, you know what bothered me the most about what you said is that there's always a new pastor coming in. That means there's not really a pastor at all. And as a pastor, you know, you've got to hurt for the people. I think, Charles, about what I have uh, would have missed. I mean, I've been here. We started this church from scratch. But, but for 24 years, I've had the privilege and the honor of being the pastor here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And what I would have missed out on and I got frustrated or if there was a board that could fire me. God called me. God is the one that can fire me. Now there's reasons that I might get fired if I get goofy or my doctrine is unhealthy or if I start manipulating or abusing people. There, there, Those are all good reasons to be let go. But at the same time, The people here are the church. And I would have missed out on what we've seen God be able to do here. Uh, Tonight's Sweet Summer Devotion with Elizabeth Rios. Um, I mean, I watched this young woman break her parents' heart. Her dad is a pastor on my staff. I watched her break his and her mom's heart. And our hearts broke with them. But I also got to see Jesus bring her back. A completely new, transformed young woman uh, with a husband who also was a jerk at the beginning, but now is just this wonderful, faithful servant of God filled with joy. You see, by staying here, I get to see all those things. At the same time, people that have been here with us for a long time, and we have many, many, many people been with us pretty much the whole time, they've grown used to one voice. 
they've seen the consistency in our church and in our walk, mine and Paula's personally. And you need to go to a church. Tell her she needs to go to a church where without boasting, without being arrogant, there's somebody who can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Somebody who's setting an example of godliness. Charles, she's in a really, really bad place. Uh, Give her some clear direction. And by the way, let me say this, since you mentioned over on Bandera Road, I know the area very, very well. Uh, We are beginning on August 4th, planting a church in the Alamo Ranch area, the far northwest area of San Antonio, not far from Bandera Road. Uh, We're planting a church there. Pastor uh, Ellis Goins is going to be the the man who who starts the church. And uh, he's a great Bible teacher. Better than that, he loves Jesus with all of his heart. He's a wonderful man. He and his wife, Killian, and their daughters. Um, Wonderful people to grow. We're actually going to send probably 40, 50 people from our church out there to start this church plant with them. They've been meeting on Friday nights now for a whole bunch of years. So uh, keep it posted. I'm going to try my best to have Pastor Ellis uh, on the radio program with me before he goes out there. So we'll kind of schedule that uh, sometime late July and um, um, give you a little bit of insight into who he is in his heart. But uh, tell her there is an answer, a good church who is coming. It's Calvary Chapel Northwest is going to be the name. So Charles, thank you for the call and I'll be praying for her. I appreciate your interest. Let's go to Jim calling from San Antonio on line one. Jim, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, great. Um, Can you point me in the direction I need to go uh, with the Bible on how old the earth is? I know Genesis says God created it in six days, but Mm -hmm. there's, I I feel like you, you feel like, it's not millions of years old necessarily. And I just wanted to know if you had something you could point me to. Yeah. Um, Jim, I can, let, let me give you a couple of, of references. Um, um, I, I'm not big on uh, recommending people that I don't know personally well, but the Institute of creation Re- research, not CRI, but ICR has some really good information uh, there's also a great website called Always Be Ready. It's um, uh, The website is owned by a guy named Charlie Campbell who got, has close connections with Calvary Chapel. He's got a lot of great information on the uh, age and the science of the earth. Now, let me say this very clearly. Um, the, the, the earth is not millions or billions or even hundreds of thousands of years old. Uh, it was created in six literal 24-hour days uh, while believing that is not an essential of the historic Christian faith, uh, Jim, it is an essential for a vibrant, fruitful walk with the Lord. If you don't believe the first 11 chapters of Genesis are literal and are to be taken literally, then uh, you're throwing away, really, a whole bunch of our New Testament. You're throwing away all of the doctrines of the church. Now, the best we can do by going over the, the, the record of the genealogies in Genesis, is come up with sort of an about number. And I'm, I'm hesitant to do that simply because there's no way, uh, there's gaps in this genealogies, there's no way to, to, to identify with any certainty the, the age of the earth. I can say I am 100% confident that the earth is less than 10,000 years old, that much of the earth was created by God with the appearance of age. At the same time, we have the literal reading of Genesis, which indicates that the earth wasn't around for millions of years. So um, the best I can do, I think the earth is somewhere between seven and 10,000 years of age. There is zero evidence, carbon dating and all the other things. There's flaws in all of that. And again, if God created the earth with uh, the appearance of age, um, then the carbon dating 
uh, even if it were accurate, and it's most often not, uh, carbon dating wouldn't really prove anything. Uh, everybody, and, and when I say this, I mean this literally, scientists who believe in a Big Bang Theory or scientists who believe in the theory of evolution, um, they all start out with one foundation. That foundation is that there is no God. Now, Jim, if you start out with the foundation that there is no God, then you can come up with anything. I say often that if you won't believe the truth, you will believe anything and everything is true. And um, I, I don't know why Christians feel the need to apologize for it. I don't know uh, why, why we are slow to defend the Genesis record. Uh, but, but here's what I know. I know what the Bible teaches. Um, I know that Adam and Eve were the first two humans on the earth. Jesus tells us that. In the beginning, God created them male and female. That was Adam and Eve. And the reference is specific. I also know that if Jesus lied, then he isn't God Almighty who can save us from our sins. I know that the New Testament validates the Genesis creation account. And believe me, if my Bible says this is what's true, I'm I'm preparing uh, Jim uh, uh, for my study Wednesday night in Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, if you've been on the internet, you know there's all kinds of conspiracy theories about flat earth and all these things. Um, You know, Isaiah chapter 40 talks about the circle of the earth. God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Uh, God knew the earth was round. So the idea is we have to make a choice. Who do we believe? Now, part of our problem is that we've been brainwashed from the time we were very, very young to believe in evolution. I can still see the pictures in my textbooks. No man would come from hunched over to more and more and more straight up. And um, we were, we, that was just the way it was. There was no denying that it was just taught as fact. Now to believe in a young earth, which I think is essential to a vibrant, fruitful Christian walk, uh, people look at you and mock you. Well, I'm okay with being mocked. I choose to believe God. So Jim... Uh, that's the best I can do. But remember, Institute of Creation Research uh, is a good one. Uh, Henry Morris is another name. He's got a lot of good stuff. But uh, Charlie Campbell and Always Be Ready uh, uh, is a great website, great uh, site, not for, for not just for that, but for other stuff as well. Jim, thanks very much for the question. Always good to hear from you. 340-9585. We're inside uh, four minutes now for this half of the program. We'd love more of your calls. Um, Ryan wants to know, my question is about Kenneth Copeland. Is he a solid Bible teacher? Ryan, there ought to be a skull and crossbones on his ministry sign. So no, he is not a solid Bible teacher. He is a prosperity teacher. He is one of the worst of the worst. Uh, He is one of the most arrogant men uh, that I've ever had the displeasure of having to listen to. Uh, he is one of the guys that I look at and say, this guy can't be saved. Now, again, I can't judge his heart. I don't know that. But there is nothing at all to recommend about his ministry and his Bible teaching is Bible misrepresentation from top to bottom. There is simply nothing at all of value. And I say that about very few people. There's a, a, a guy named Jesse Duplantis who started out, I think, with Kenneth Copeland and, and uh, a few others. That, that just are horrible, horrible, horrible misrepresentatives of Jesus. So stay away from him completely. Uh, Oliver asks, is there a point when you should stop witnessing to someone? Uh, Oliver, I, I know people disagree with me on this, but my answer is yes. I I always stop talking when people stop listening. You know, when they kind of give me the talk to the hand sign. It's just one of those things. They start rolling their eyes when they're not listening. Then there's no more purpose in talking. You can't convince anybody. You simply can't, uh, or certainly can't um, change their mind. If they're unwilling to have their mind changed. So at, at, at the point they stop listening, I think is the point that we should stop witnessing. I think it's sort of the, 
shake the dust off your sandals moment and go find somebody who is willing to listen. You know, Oliver, there are so many hurting people. There's so many people with severe need. Um, Surely there are better targets for sharing the truth about your Jesus and mine. And that's when we need to go and find them. I've actually gotten to the point with some people, Oliver, that uh, I, and I've told them this, look, I'm afraid to share with you anymore. You've rejected the truth so many times. You keep asking for counsel, keep asking for advice, but you never do anything that I tell you to do. Um, and, and you know, I, you're, you're really, really accountable before God. And for me just to keep sharing with you over and over and over, put you in a place where you're even more accountable than I'm comfortable with you being. So, um, when they stop listening, stop sharing. You can hear the music. We are at the end of the first half of our program. It's the Monday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. On the At the end of the break, we'll be back for phone calls and questions, 340-9585 or toll-free, 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. We have 30 minutes left for your calls and questions. 340-9585. Let's go right to the phone. Cibolo now and talk with June on line one. June, thanks for holding. You're on the air. My husband just returned from Nepal where he was on a motorcycle trip but delivering purification units for water. And the people there were kind and hardworking and I never heard the name of Jesus. And he is really struggling with how do you reconcile the kindness and goodness and mercy of God with the truth that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Okay, I can do that, answer that for you, June, but, but a couple of things before I do. Uh, what a great opportunity. Um, our Father in Heaven loves the people there so much that um, He sent your husband. That's, that's, a, that's a great place to start. Um, a couple of things. One, uh, we're told in the Psalms that the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. There is no nation or language where they're not understood in other words, the knowledge of God, Romans chapter 1 deals with this uh, quite effectively. Um, the, the, the knowledge of God is made available to everyone, and then God rewards those who seek. Let me give you an example. Abraham is a perfect example. Uh, Abraham was an idol worshiper from an idol worshiping family. Abraham, unlike his relatives, had a heart to, to really find out who God was. Abraham would go into a room that would be set aside uh, from the rest of the house, you know, where all of the idols would be and they would present grain offerings and and have worship in front of these idols. And, and, and there was something in Abraham's heart said, I know this isn't true. I made these uh, idols. Uh, they, they can't hear me. They can't answer me. And one day he went out with a heavy heart and uh, we don't know exactly what he said, but he cried out for God, if you're real, I need to know the same kind of thing that's happened to many of us. And God answered him. He answered him by calling him by name, Abram. Abram, he said. And that was God revealing himself to a heart that was searching. Now, the people where you mention, they are very religious people. Uh, I don't believe, because I know there's ministry going on there, June. Uh, I know um, the name of Jesus is known pretty much everywhere. But... They're also very religious people in the sense that they've got their own little g-gods that aren't gods at all. And so a loving God has made his existence known. Uh, A person who says that I worship a god, a little g-god, has the responsibility to find out whether or not the god they worship really is God. And if that god doesn't answer back, if that god doesn't do anything for them, then 
All they have to do is really seek God and Jesus will be revealed to them. Now, obviously, we're told as a church to go out and tell everybody we have mission um, um, church missionaries all over the world. We have church missionaries right here in the United States as well. But we have church missionaries all over the world where the name of Jesus is being proclaimed. It's also true, June, that um, these men in distant lands, these women in distant lands, if they seek God, the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts is a great example. God sent Philip the evangelist supernaturally right to be by him. And that demonstrates that if God wants to be found, he's going to be found. And what we understand is that anyone who seeks God with diligence, with sincerity, will find the real God. Then a choice has to be made. And the people that have rejected God, no matter the nation, the people that have worshipped other gods or in other religions, it's just as incumbent upon them to find out if their God is real. Now, one thing you said, June, troubled me. You said, what kind of a loving God, and I'm, going to, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not sure that's exactly what you said, or how do we defend the, the concept of loving God when there be all those people who wouldn't go to heaven? What we need to understand, because it's declared to you, June, it's declared to me very clearly, that our God has demonstrated he is loving. No false God has ever sent a son to die for the sins of the people who worship him. Our God did. No God, little g God, has ever offered forgiveness of sins at no cost at all. Our God did. And it always troubles me when Christians will take some circumstance, somebody who says, well, we've never heard the name Jesus. How could God let those people out there die? When just the opposite is true. We, we've got proof that God is unconditionally loving. We have living proof. Jesus Christ, who was crucified and is alive. God didn't send anyone less than God to die. He died himself for us. And the issue of God's love, June, is settled once and for all. And uh, I think we, we run pretty close to perilous thought processes when we're questioning the love of God who's already demonstrated that love. I've had people over the years, June, you know them, people who've said things like, well, if God loved me, why would I be going through this trial? And the issue is faith. The issue is understanding that God already proved his love. Not that we deserve it. So the people in Nepal or the people in some jungle in the middle of Africa, doesn't matter, somebody in the Amazon region, they know there's a God. It is the responsibility of every human being on earth to find out who that God is and make a choice. Unfortunately, the choice that most people make is to reject this God who's proven his love. You know, June, my last thought here is 28 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was utterly unlovable, completely unlovable, I was a jerk. I had caused nothing but pain in people's lives. I shook my fist at God and blamed him for all of my troubles. And yet when I was desperate enough to cry out for him, he was right there. He didn't put me on probation. He didn't scold me. He didn't look at me like a human would and say, oh, so now that you're in trouble, you want to find me. All he did was extend a hand to me. And he will do that everywhere. I said that was my final thought, but one other thing came to mind. In the book of Acts, everywhere people went, especially when Paul started his ministry, Jesus' name wasn't known. Paul considered himself a debtor to both Greek and Jew to tell him who God was. 
And rather than us worrying about who's going to tell them or how God could send them to hell if they don't hear the name of Jesus, it's our job to go tell them. And we should tell everybody. Paul says, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. If we care about those people, maybe that's a burden God's putting on your husband's heart or your heart. Maybe he's calling you to be the one to go tell. 340-9585. Here is an anonymous question that came to our studio. Uh, It says, I know the Bible tells you what to do, like in Matthew, if you have an issue with your brother, go to him and talk it out. But how do you react to people who have an issue with you and you don't know why? What should I do? Uh, Anonymous, this is a pretty straightforward question. What you should do, if you know somebody has an issue with you, go ask them. What a great opportunity to witness. This is an opportunity for you to go and say, look, uh, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus and I don't want anybody have a problem with me. If I need to apologize, I want to do it. And I think that you've got an issue with me. So can you tell me what it is and let me ask for forgiveness? Let's make it right. Let's see if we can honor God in the process. You see, all we have to do is do the thing that makes the most sense. Go to the people and settle it ourselves. Now, sometimes the problem they're going to have isn't something that you did. I've had people, they have problems with me because I'm too direct sometimes. And I I won't apologize for being direct, but I'm going to say, look, I'm sorry if you misunderstood my heart. I didn't mean it the way you took it. I hope you'll forgive me and understand that when I'm direct, it's because I really love people. Sometimes when you go to somebody and say, what's your issue? They'll have a legitimate issue and you can say, I never knew. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. That's not the way I wanted this to work out. So let's start over. And the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me without any rationalization, without the word, but following it, man, there's great power in those words. Sometimes you can work it out with them, sometimes you can't, but every Christian has a responsibility, Anonymous. Every Christian has a responsibility to do the best they can. If you find that your brother has an issue with you, Jesus, leave your gift at the altar, go and try to work it out with him, and uh, that's exactly what we do. So I hope that answers your question, and God bless you in your efforts to do it. 340-9585. Let's go to Belmont now and talk with James on line one. James, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, uh, and thank you so much for your ministry and and, um, really do appreciate it. I love listening to you when I get a chance. Thanks, James. Um, I want to reference two different uh, uh, scriptures. Uh, One's in Mark 9. uh, I think it's around 38 through 41. um, The Apostles were coming back to Jesus, I believe, and saying, uh, there's people that are casting out demons, uh, but they're not a part of us, and so we told them not to do that anymore. And essentially, mm-hmm. Jesus was saying, uh, more or less, that whoever is not against us is for us. Um, how could somebody that's casting out demons in my name be saying bad things about me, or, or something to that effect? I'm sorry, but I, I had a choice of either calling you or, or being able to talk intelligently about what exactly the scriptures are saying. The That's other okay. one is you, you, Matthew You paraphrase pretty accurately. The other one is which? Well, well Matthew 7, and is it like uh, around 20 through uh, 20 for like about four or five verses? And essentially it's kind of a discussion, I believe, where um, uh, it's kind of at the end of the Beatitudes, and they're talking about all teachers, and uh, essentially Jesus was saying, there's going to be a time people are going to come and say, uh, and, and anticipate coming into heaven, and Jesus is going to say uh, that he never even knew you, and they're going to reply, but didn't we drive out demons and, and do all of these wonderful things? 
and and essentially he's still going to say, I, I, I knew you not, and so, you know, away with you. Um, both of them, interestingly enough, were talking about, like, driving out demons. Um, I, I can kind of see where the Beatitudes was kind of leading into false prophets and antichrist, and... But it's still, the way it presents, it's still a little bit confusing to me as far as how those two uh, scriptures can relate to one another. Okay. Thank you, James. I'll do my best. Uh, I'll take the Matthew uh, version first because I've got it up on my screen. Uh, I I think a a couple of things. One of the the, the context here is really important. Verse 20 uh, in Matthew chapter 7 says, Thus by their fruit... You will recognize them. And and before that, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Now, one of the things we have to remember is when Jesus was talking to this, this isn't um, a, a Christian context. This is a very, very Jewish context. So what Jesus is saying to the people, remember, there's always these large throngs of people around him. And what Jesus was saying is, look, this may look like a good tree, but there's bad fruit. And if there's bad fruit, it's not a good tree. And he's really pointing out the religious leaders, those who are sort of around trying to figure out who he is and what he's saying, those who've already begun to muster opposition against him. And and basically, uh, the, the, the I think the most understandable way to put this is saying, those guys may look like they're religious, but they're not. And that's why he says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Now remember that the Jewish religious leaders had a very lucrative business of casting out demons. They made good money casting out demons. Demon possession was rampant in the time Jesus was walking around Jerusalem. And so uh, what he's saying is, look, they look like they're representatives of my Father in heaven. They look like they belong to the kingdom of God, but it's a bad tree. Bad trees produce bad fruit. And on the day when they stand before me and call me Lord, in other words, they're going to think they're going to get in because they're Jewish. They're going to think they get in because they're they're religious leaders. Jesus is going to say, you're not going to make it. And the fact that they did prophesy, the fact that they drove out demons didn't mean they were doing it in Jesus' name. They were doing it in the name of a God they didn't know because Jesus was the one they rejected. And that's why Jesus said, uh, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And James, the, the issue in heaven is always the same. It's not whether you know about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus in this particular context, especially following the Sermon on the Mount. Um, uh, these leaders were rejecting. Remember, Jesus knew what was in the hearts of men. He committed himself to no man. And because they were rejecting him, and because he knew it, Jesus is simply identifying them as unbelievers. doesn't matter what they know intellectually. It's what they don't know, and who they don't know, that changes it. Uh, the other passage I don't think is related. Uh, I think this is sort of a teaching on sort of the fleshiness of Jesus' own disciples. Remember, at this point in Jesus' ministry, they're following him, and they're all looking to see who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Uh, In other words, they want to follow Jesus because of what's in it for them. Much, much later, they're going to to come to to their senses and basically say, but Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What is in it for us? And Jesus tells them that their hearts have changed by now. Here at this particular case, we've got these disciples of Jesus, um, and, and they're they're saying we saw somebody driving out demons, but he wasn't one of the twelve. So we told him to stop. So I like almost like they were looking at this guy um, driving out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. This guy is a believer in Jesus. He's heard Jesus teach, and now he's going out by faith. And they're saying basically saying, "Who do you think you are? You're not part of our group." And God's answer to him, Jesus' answer is, is um, he is part of my group. Don't stop him. 
Because no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. And then he goes on with another uh, example of, of how the kingdom is going to work when the church comes into view. So the, one was dealing with religious leaders, the other was false religious leaders, uh, the other one is Jesus just dealing with sort of the fleshy side of his disciples who were still in the process of learning who Jesus was. Great question, James. Thank you very, very much for that. I'm just told Belmont is approximately 15 miles southeast of Seguin and 10 miles south of Luling, where Bucky's is. So, James, I wanted to find out where Belmont was. God bless you. I appreciate you calling very much. Marilyn wants to know, Pastor Ron, why is it that so many Christians don't go to church? Marilyn, our propensity to let ourselves be ripped off by an enemy never surprises me any longer. Never. It's because we're spiritually lazy. It's because a lot of us who claim to be Christians really aren't. I want you to think about this, Marilyn. If someone really loved Jesus and they knew every Sunday, the book of Revelation says that he's standing in the middle of his church. The place to go be with Jesus is in church. That's where he is. How could a real believer not want to go there? Now, I understand sometimes things happen where people can't get to church. One of the reasons we have a church service on a Friday night, people that can't come on weekends because they work, we want to be available to them. And Friday night is always a great night here at Calvary Chapel. But for somebody to say, somebody who's got the freedom to go, but, oh, I don't want to go, or I'm too tired to go, or it's my only day off, I really question whether or not those people are real Christians. Now, again, that's for them to, 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 to deal with the Lord. And I know, oh, I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. And none of that matters. None of that matters. What matters is, Jesus said, and that declaration is in the context of a warning to the church about falling away. And when people don't want to go to church, it's almost like saying to Jesus, yeah, I know you're there, but I really don't care. You know, Marilyn, one of the things that frustrates me is people say, oh, I haven't seen you, Pastor Ron, but I've been live streaming every week. It doesn't matter. That, that, you can't help the church here. You can't minister to people who need to be ministered to. We can't use your gifts when you're live streaming me. The worst thing is you can see me, but I can't see you. So we need to go to church. A lot of people are just lazy. A lot of people aren't really Christians. Let me say one other thing and sort of turn this accountability thing the other direction. I think a lot of it is the fault of the church. We have become so accepting of false teaching or bad teaching. We've made an effort to entertain people instead of declare the word of God with them. We don't want to challenge people because we're afraid that they'll be offended. And the word of God is an offense. The word of God is a challenge. And I believe that when you've got somebody teaching the Bible... People are going to want to go to church. And if you're not teaching the Bible, that's on you. And you're not giving the people the opportunity to come to the living water of life. Jesus said to the woman at the well in Samaria, if you drink from this well, you'll never again be thirsty. You see, the Bible has all the answers. My whole life is wrapped up in the word of God. And if I were to go out and tell funny stories or just tell people good news only things because they didn't want to hurt their feelings, then my church would be empty too. So Maryland, it's not a good thing. Some of it on the church. Most of it, however, is on the people who don't go. Hope that helps. 340-9585. We've got... Uh, oh. About three and a half minutes left? Oh, two and a half minutes left? Okay. Uh, that one I can't do in two minutes? Here's one. Uh, anonymous. My friend's husband cheated on her, so she divorced him. 
uh, her church disciplined her because they hadn't given her permission to divorce. What advice do you have for her? I would tell her to find another church because if her church thinks that she needed their permission to do what the Bible's already told her he, that, that she was free to do, then her church is borderline abusive. I, I can't imagine somebody coming to me and saying, the Lord's given me the freedom of divorce, but I want to know what you think. I would say, don't ask me. If God's already told you what to do, listen to him. Um, so anonymous, that's what I would tell you. Um, um, God never likes divorce. He hates it. But there are times when he gives us the freedom to do it. And uh, for a church to say, you can't do it without my permission, uh, that's almost cultish. That's, 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 I almost said borderline abuse. I said borderline abuse earlier. It's not borderline. It is abuse. Nobody has authority in your life that exceeds what the God, the word of God has told you you can or can't do. Learn to use your freedom. And I would say, go find a different church, move on with your life, follow Jesus with all of your heart. If you want to be married again, he'll walk you right to the place where you'll look up and there he'll be. Wouldn't it be great if it was your first husband? Who knows? Hey, thanks for tuning in today. May God bless you and keep you tonight. Our Sweet Summer Devotion Series continues. Ladies, Elizabeth Reels, we pray for. Our other Bible studies are there. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.